Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My name is Sophie Collins, and I am a mother and entrepreneur, and I am obsessed with feeling my best. This show is going to cover everything from work to wellness to motherhood and what it looks like to encompass all of those things into your life. I hope you enjoy. Today's episode is one that I was looking forward to recording for weeks before it happened. It is with my friend, the amazing Barbara Simeon. Barbara is the co-founder at Sundays, the Canadian-based e-commerce brand making waves in the furniture space. I'm a massive brand of Sundays, just bought a bunch of new furniture from them for our playroom. She's a passionate entrepreneur, and she previously co-founded Field & Social, which is my favorite salad spot here in Vancouver, and Ride Cycle Club, which I'm a huge fan of, and they've both grown to multi-location companies, which is incredible. Prior to starting her entrepreneurial journey, Barbara worked at the UN in New York, so cool, and the nonprofit sector in Vancouver following the completion of her graduate degree. In international development from the University of Cambridge, Barbara developed a passion for community involvement from a young age after she moved to Vancouver from Slovakia at the age of 12. She's committed to championing women in business and mentoring young leaders and is involved with local organizations, including Breakfast Club of Canada and presently a board member of Mount Pleasant Neighborhood House. She loves exploring Vancouver by foot with her family and traveling the world with her four young children in tow. She is so inspiring. She's a working mom of four who honestly does it all, but gives us some tips and tricks on really understanding what it looks like to live in the flow and prioritize time for yourself. She also talks about the best parts of her role at Sunday's Furniture and the most challenging, the best advice for leading a team, a little bit about the day in the life of running her businesses and her home with four children. And of course, we finish off with talking about what she is obsessed with and what makes her feel her best. I'm so excited to share with you today, my friend, Barbara. Thank you so much for joining us today, Barbara. I'm so excited to chat with one of my good friends and unofficial mentors. <laughs> oh, thank you, Soph. This is such an honor and so excited to be here chatting today. I'm so excited to have you on because one of the reasons that I started this show was because of my interest in entrepreneurship and my desire to learn about other entrepreneurs' journeys and how they handle it all, especially as a working mom. So before we dive into all of that, I know you're going to have some incredible juicy nuggets, but why don't you just give everyone a little bit of a backstory on who you are and your background and what you do today. I'll also run through your bio before the show starts so people have an idea of who you are, but maybe just a little tidbit of who Barbara is. You bet. Yeah. So Barbara, mom of four um, and co-founder of Sunday's Field and Social and Ride Cycle Club. But prior to entrepreneurship, international development and the nonprofit sector was where I did a lot of work, including um, at the UN in New York City. So a little bit of an accidental entrepreneur, but that's very much what I do now. Amazing. And I know you said you're a mom of four, which I know already, but I think the question on all of our minds is 
three businesses on the go, mom of four, how the F do you do it all? (laughs) Asking for a friend. I ask myself that, you know, on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day. You know, I think the short answer is that you, you don't do it all. And, you know, something sort of has to give and it just depends what ball you're willing to drop or what you're willing to deprioritize. And then a lot of support. So a lot of whether that's, you know, childcare. So all of our kids are either in school or three of them are still at daycare on the weekends that sometimes babysitting from grandparents or babysitters. Yeah. Just like really it takes a village to try and um, run a life and then get to work every day. I work out of the office. So that's where I spend like the chunk of my day. And of course the morning, and evenings are busy as well, as you know, with uh, with little kids. So it's sort of like, go, go, go. And yeah, being okay with the fact that now's not a time in my life where things will be perfect. And I, I think in my 20s, I used to be a perfectionist and I've, I've just let go of that. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the chaos that is our life. Yeah, I think you kind of have to embrace it with four kids. I'm not really sure if there's another choice. Totally. Your mornings are crazy. Your evenings are crazy. Your days are crazy. How do you prioritize what needs to get done in a day? I think that's something that I am always working on. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing the bare minimum. I'm all friends. But what is your process for deciding what needs to get done each day? Or is it different every day depending on what fires are burning? Yeah, it's. I think it's a little bit of both, a little bit of fires. But what I started doing a couple of years ago is just taking a look. Well, on Sunday nights, I like to take a look at my calendar for the week ahead and just see if anything needs to be shifted around and sort of like in general, what are some of the big themes? And then every night, taking a look on what's happening, what might be some big meetings, anything that's happening with the, with the kids. Uh, my husband and I also share calendars. And then I'll pick sort of one to two main priorities, like the must-haves that I want to get done in that day. Because I've realized over the years, like if it's a list, list of 10 things, I'm just setting myself up for failure. And so this way, it's like, what's that one or two things that I, that I need to get done? And that way you get a win. That's definitely something that I've learned from you, especially in the last few weeks when my family life has been a little crazy is like, yeah, your one thing that you can be proud of doing that day. And so to dive a little deeper on that question, let's say you pick your one to two things. Are you checking your email throughout the day or are you just getting that one or two things done before you even dive into responding to people? Like, how do you manage the influx of WhatsApp and Instagram and email and everything that's flying at you all day? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's changed and evolved over time. I've always been a bit of a morning person. And for the last couple of years, what I would do is get up super early in the morning and head straight to my inbox just to have some solo time and really like clear that inbox before getting into the office. And while my mind is clear, starting on that one thing um, in the morning when I'm the freshest, I've actually flipped that more recently to get a little bit of like 
I guess, relax and, and me time. So I've started going for a daily walk at 5.15 in the morning. And it's I know, so much when better. I, when you said you're kind of a morning person, I was like, well, <laughs> you walk every day at 5.15. I would say you're definitely a morning person. Yeah. Yeah. So I always used to really protect that time. Like that's my time to really, you know, get through my inbox for a couple of hours before the kids get up. And I start with the craziness of the day. But I've actually found that, yeah, this solo time being outside now that it's beautiful and sunny in Vancouver, we're heading into summer season. It actually gives me so much energy that even though I miss that hour or two of diving into my email, and then I'll do that later in the day, it allows me to get into the flow of work and maybe some of that deep work first thing. To your question, like, do I block out certain times of the day when I'm checking emails and, and messages? It sort of works itself out by what's in my calendar. So it'll be in between meetings, but I generally don't block out. Like, you know, between 9 and 11 is when, when I'm checking my inbox. It's a little bit more spontaneous depending on what's on my calendar that day. I'm the same. I feel like I'm so bad. I always want to be at inbox zero. So I'm the typical person. I'm (laughs) constantly responding to people and I'm like, great, it's off my plate. But then of course, 45 minutes later, you got to ping back. Yeah. Uh, Actually met with Sasha Exeter, who is a businesswoman out of Toronto. Yes. I think Sasha's amazing. It's amazing. And she said something really smart, which is she will, let's say she has a block of time to respond to a bunch of emails she will schedule send when she knows she's ready to respond again. So let's say, for example, she is doing emails late at night, which I don't do, but she does. Let's say she's doing emails at night. She will schedule send for, let's say, 10 a.m. the next day because she knows that's when she's going to be free again rather than just sending it, waiting for the response and kind of doing that ping pong back and forth. So I've started... I love that. Yeah, that's such a great tip. I'm a schedule sender as well because sometimes I'll send emails what are what are odd hours. Now that I don't have my morning time once in a while, it is a little bit of catch up in the evenings, especially if it's a day where like daycare calls and I got to pick up a kid from school early and then I'm missing that chunk of time. But the yeah, the scheduling email tool is is great. It's a hot tip. Your nighttime routine, your daytime routine, what does a day in the life look like for you? Yeah. So it's, it's a long day. It's a long day. I won't lie. Um, my husband also travels quite a bit of work. He's actually out of town right now for the third time in two weeks. And I'm like, just come home already. It's a lot. So I get up at five in the morning when he's out of town. I obviously can't get my walk in because I can't leave the kids alone. So this morning, for example, I did dive into my inbox and then around 630 is when the kids get up. So I'll get their school lunches ready, get them ready for school. I've let go of the perfect of like they're all in cute, beautiful matching outfits. Like literally sometimes our two-year-old twins have mismatched shoes and then we'll put the right shoes on. When we get to daycare, like whatever it takes to get everybody out the door. And if I have time, so we've usually dropped everybody off by about 8.30. So we'll do school drop-off, head to daycare. I try to have a moment to myself in between drop-off in the office. And for me, that's usually a coffee to stay. I'm a big coffee shop person. You know, sometimes if the weather's nice, might again be combined with a little bit of a 
walk, even if it's just like 10 minutes around the block after my coffee, but it just like allows me to reset from the craziness, hectic part of the morning with the kids to come fresh into the office. And then we leave the office by 5.15 to get all the kids into our minivan. And it's like this little school bus driving around town. We get home by 6. And it's for dinner, it's usually something I have to either have cooked the night before, pull something out of the freezer or DoorDash, I won't lie. And yeah, get everybody fed by 7. The twins go to bed at 7. So we've got two and a half year old twins and then... The four and six year old go to bed by about eight thirty, and then by nine, I like toast and go to bed. Yeah, of course, you got to get those eight hours for your five a.m. wake up. Totally, I'm a big like I need my sleep. I love my sleep, so yeah, I'm definitely more of a morning person than a night owl. I think you and I share that. Yes, I think so. Considering most of the walks that we do are still in the dark of the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and I think that's a good point. It's like, how do you then fit in things like friends or, you know, connecting with other entrepreneurs? And I think it's about getting really creative. Like the, we've numerous times, you know, met up by 36, seven in the morning. I think that's a great way to start the day as well. And you you have to be super creative with your time because the day is limited and goes by super fast with all those responsibilities you have as a mom and a business owner. A hundred percent. And is that something you try to do every week or every month is meet with another entrepreneur? Do you have like a goal for yourself that you set to connect with other founders? I do. Yeah. I would say about three times a month is sort of like the sweet spot. I'll try and do either a walk or a breakfast date or a lunch date. But I find that it really, it just energizes me. It's nice to share, yeah, you know, opportunities and successes, something that you're maybe struggling with. And sometimes it's just like how you're feeling in life, how things are going at home, what's crazy, what's keeping you up at night. So I love doing that both with a community of founders that have become friends that I meet with more regularly, and then also seeking out you know new relationships in the community, whether it's an entrepreneur that I haven't met before, whose work I admire, perhaps it's someone like with a new tool or technology that I can learn about, but um, or someone from a, from another industry. Yeah, it's great to keep up that network. I love that. And I think something that people don't really realize is as a founder, things can feel so isolating and you can really feel quite alone, especially in different struggles that you're going through. But the minute that you meet with another founder, entrepreneur, or someone in your field or someone who's in an adjacent field, you realize that everyone has dealt with these things and you're totally not alone. And the more you talk about it, the more you're able to receive. So I think it's such a good tip. And I think three times a month is a really good thing to aim for. I, when I started, you know, being full-time with One Wednesday, I didn't take any meetings because I really just wanted to focus and I would just sit in my office all day and pretty quickly I got quite lonely. So absolutely. Yeah, you do, right? You kind of don't realize it. But if you're not, you know, back to back in meetings all day and in an office, you you kind of start to quickly realize that it can be quite isolating. But I've since tried to make it a point to see another founder, entrepreneur, even friend that's in a career that I admire, either bi weekly or weekly. And it's completely changed my day to day. 
Yeah, it's, it's so great. And, you know, it also sort of allows you to plant seeds for, even though I think that's not the initial intention when you're meeting with someone necessarily, but for future collaborations and ways of working together, right? Those are often relationships that are built over time and, you know, maybe six, 12, 18 months down the line, someone you meet for a walk or a coffee could be another brand that you end up collaborating with. And so I think you need to be mindful of continuing to build new and also fostering those relationships so that if you do end up doing a collaboration, it's authentic and that there's a relationship there because I think your your customers, your audience can really sense that. That's so true. So take us back a little bit. I know your background myself, but being in New York, working for the UN, I, I know you worked for other nonprofits as well. How did you know you wanted to start your own business? And how did you take the leap from being in the nonprofit field to entrepreneurship? Because in a way, they're quite different. Yeah, totally. You know, I studied international relations, international development. I was always interested in sort of like making a difference in the world. We're an immigrant family. I moved to Canada when I was 12 from Slovakia. So that sort of area of work always spoke to me. And the UN was a dream job. I think my 20-year-old my self was like, you know, it was probably in every letter I wrote to professors in terms of like what I wanted to be when I grew up. So in my late 20s, when that opportunity happened, it was very exciting. It was doing program evaluation work across the UN global pro- programs around the world based out of um, their headquarters in New York. Uh, also being in our you know, late 20s, early 30s, no kids. It was just like a really fun few years. And I look back at it fondly. However, I think the pace of that work, you know, the the UN is an amazing organization and, and does a lot of incredible work around the world, but does move slowly, right? It's, it's a big bureaucracy. And I think I started to get a little bit impatient with you know, the, the speed of that. And so my husband's uh, family is very entrepreneurial. He's very entrepreneurial. And so when the opportunity for our first business came up, which was Ride Cycle Club with a couple of other co-founders, just thought, why not? Like off the side of my desk, sort of as a side hustle, can start working on the business plan. And this would also be a little bit of a creative outlet, a different way to sort of stretch my mind from the very analytical work that I was doing at the UN. And I never realized that that would lead to other businesses, but that eventually led to Field and Social and then Sundays. I think that, you know, the thread with all those businesses is they were all started with co-founders. I'm a big believer in getting together with others so you can utilize each other's strength and also spread the risk, mm-hmm. which, you know, which it takes to get into business. It's so true. I mean, I obviously I have a co-founder. Everyone on this podcast has heard now about Joni, my amazing co-founder. Yeah. And there's so many benefits, but also there's challenges because you're working with different personalities and you have different creative visions. How do you handle that when you're working with multiple co-founders in terms of, you know, how you're developing products and what's going to be coming down the roadmap? Do you have really specific lanes that you stay in or is it a little bit more fluid? Yeah, I think it's it's both lanes, but even before you get into the lanes, I think what's what's been really important for us and the businesses we've started with Mo is 
core values, like establishing those very early on, right? Like when you're doing the branding exercise, whether you're doing it yourself or with an external agency, what are sort of like, you know, four to five key values that you'll live and breathe in terms of how you're going to work together and what you stand for as a business. I think that's super important. And then following that, being very clear about what is everybody's um, sweet spot, sort of like, you know, special sauce and strength. And then you're right, sort of respecting those lanes. So at Sundays, for example, you know, our co-founder Noah leads our product design and development. And like, that's his lane. Mo and Sarah are much more involved in operations, finance, people, culture. And when it comes to brand and community, to e-com, I'll take the lead on that with our team. So that's been really great to be able to defer to each other on those areas. We, of course, provide input, but one of us will sort of get the final say. And, and we do respect that as a team. I think that's so smart. And do you find that your brand values from one company overlap with another company? So for example, do brand values that you have at Sundays, are they the same at Field or are they completely different? I'm super curious about that. Yeah, they are different. The one that overlaps, and it probably won't be a surprise to you, Sophie, is around collaboration and community. So that's just like a personal value of mine. You know, the social part in field, uh, field and social was around building community with food and using that space to also host events and pop-ups, which, you know, we recently had an event together back in Jen and that was so energizing. And that value does carry through at Sundays as well, whether it's through product collaborations or who we feature in our showrooms. Yeah, collaboration is just super important to me as a person and has been a thread in all of the businesses as well. That's amazing. And I think you've done so many cool showrooms and collaborations with Sundays. I know you did that little apartment in New York. And I know New York will always have a piece of your heart. So can you give us a few of your favorite New York spots? Oh my goodness. Simple spots. Like they're probably, they're no surprise. We lived in Chelsea. So the Chelsea art galleries, just those hundreds of art galleries under the high line was where I would spend many hours. Um, Thursday nights, you can go in and often get a free glass of wine while there's a lot of gallery openings. I got really into running and was part of this awesome group called Girls Running NYC. And we would train at the Brooklyn track. So like that was a special place for me in Williamsburg. In terms of favorite places to eat, Shake Shack, Madison Square oh, Park. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember one, one night we were, we'd already gone to bed and it was like 10 p.m. And then we thought, why don't we just like walk over? It's a beautiful summer night. And I'm like, we're still a little hungry. Like, let's go for a burger. And like that memory of being under those twinkling lights at night was, yeah, that's, that was a fun, that was a fun night. Yeah. But just love, honestly, what I love most about New York is the walkability, uh, walking everywhere. So I would, you know, walk to the office every day and we obviously didn't own a car there and you just got to move your body and explore the city by foot, which is the best way to see the city. I know it's something you carry over here to Vancouver as well. Totally. Yeah. We live in a neighborhood that's quite walkable and uh, we're in a condo building. So it allows us to be close to coffee shops and Granville Island and the parks. So What's your really go-to great. coffee shop right now? 
Oh my gosh. I don't think I have a, I, I don't think I have a favorite, um, in my neighborhood, Montpetou's a frequent stop closer to work. So my, my morning stop is often Fife Bakery. Those are two that I frequent regularly, but there's, there's many others. I like to switch it up. I know you love Livia as well. Oh, Livia for sure. That's <laughs> for when I want a longer breakfast and that, that's, that's a way I lo- love to recharge is like take myself for a coffee or sometimes a breakfast and just like enjoy that solo moment. I love that. And Livia is one of the places where I do that a lot. I do feel like breakfast meetings and excursions are very underrated. I would almost always rather go for a breakfast than a dinner. (laughs) Probably going back to the fact that we're morning people. But absolutely. It's so fun to meet your friends for breakfast or have breakfast meetings. It's one of my absolute favorite things to do. Yes, it's the best. It's the best with others. And honestly, the solo breakfast as a mom, like I think it's only something I started doing once I had all these many children. It was like, I just need a moment. And I think sometimes I was just overwhelmed. Like by the time I was done, all of those drop-offs, like, let me just take a moment. That'll be a little bit of separation uh, between life and work. I think your brain just needs that sometimes because you're, you're always on and then it's hard to be effective to go into a really busy day at work and into the next task. So I think slowing down and just enjoying a moment is... Um, yeah, so important. Yeah, I definitely find now as a mom, I eat so quickly because if I have a few spare moments to eat dinner when the kids don't need something from me, I'm just shoving it in my throat. I'm hardly tasting the food anymore. I know you said oftentimes you eat standing up, which I was so sad about, but then realized once I had my second kid that that's just reality. (laughs) I know, I know. It's something I've been really working on, you know, over the last couple of months. I was actually working with a great nutritionist for a couple of months just to sort of more about less about what I was eating because in general, I eat pretty healthy things, but sort of how I was taking in the food and am I eating my lunch in front of the screen or can I take a moment to like shut my computer, you know, shut my screen off and eat. And it does make a big difference in how you're feeling. Oh, absolutely. I think your mindset when you're taking in food is so super important. Do you get your kids around a table to eat dinner? This is something that I really struggle with. And as someone who loves dinner parties and loves the idea of dinner and a nice long dinner with my Italian husband and our Italian family, I really, really struggle with it because I definitely picture different dinners being quite different having kids. Yes, for sure. We're not every night. We're definitely not behind the dinner table every night. We're in an open space type plan. And so we have bar seats. Uh, So our kids at a very young age, I think like by the time they were a year and a half, knew how to (laughs) sit at these bar seats. And so we'll eat there. It's a little bit more informal, but on the weekends, we do try and eat around the table. Like I'm European, grew up, you know, with nice, a nice dinner setting and like all that. And that's what I imagine for my kids. And I think we'll get there, but they're still very young and it's it's chaos. Like that hour between 6 p.m. of getting home and the twins going down to bed at 7 is craziness. I know, and so I much find... food ends up on the floor too. Yeah. 5 to 7 is the hardest time of the day for me, for sure. 5 for to sure. 7 p.m. Yes. Yeah. Pro tip is like if you're going to get babysitting support, you know, for a date night, Get the, get the babysitter to come a little bit earlier. 
not just at bedtime. A hundred percent. Right? Yeah. I never know why people want to meet after bedtime. (laughs) (laughs) I want to skip bedtime if we're going to meet at dinner. (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you doing screen time at this point or like give me your tips? (laughs) Yeah, it's a funny story. We're actually trying to get the two and a half year olds to be interested in screens at all because we're about to go on a long plane ride in a couple of weeks with the family and they're like not into it. The older ones are not every day. We'll switch it up between like TV and the iPad because that we just find that like their behavior starts spiraling if it's every night and no amount of time is long enough. And so it's sort of like either TV or the screen. They'll always choose the screen if they have a choice. But I know I do find there's something about TV and sitting on the couch and watching together that really is different than them scrolling through YouTube kids. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so mindless and it kind of like gets that reaction, like that dopamine of like constantly clicking on the next thing. And you observe that. I mean, we do it, right? When we're scrolling Instagram or TikTok, yeah. but it's it's a little bit scary to watch in a five-year-old. It really is. Charlie is newly interested in the iPad and he comes home every day asking for it and throws a tantrum if he doesn't. So I'm trying to find a way to have a short amount of time. I definitely leaned on it a lot with Liam and found that it did not serve us long term. So I'm trying to, you know, trying to take a different approach with Charlie and really just limit it and pull up my pants and say, let's play and like go outside. You know, it's like you're so tired by the end of the day. But I often find that almost staying inside is harder. So just getting outside, getting some fresh air, even if it's so hard to get the kids out for a couple of minutes, it's still worth it. Like even that's the activity is just getting outside. So. Getting out. Honestly, sometimes we'll walk or literally walk around the block yeah. and come back in, but you just need that shift in energy, right? Like when that energy starts going crazy, let's take a pause, walk around the block. Yeah, it can make a big difference. It really can. So switching gears a little bit, I asked my community for some questions and lots of really great ones came in about your businesses and being an entrepreneur. And the one that I wanted, a a couple I want to touch on, but the first one is, what is the best part of your job and the most challenging? Oh my goodness. I think the best part is working with our team. Like I am learning so much every day. And so, yeah, being able to... At the beginning, you're sort of doing everything yourself. And over the... Especially over the last 12 months, we've been able to bring in some amazing team members and e-com and marketing. And so doing brainstorming sessions together where you're not just alone in your head. I think that's definitely my favorite. What is the most challenging? I think that like you can never really settle and like sleep well at night. Like if one thing is going right, like what's the thing that's going wrong? And there, there's always something, right? So during the pandemic, it was inventory issues and supply chain issues. Right now it's the economy and you know how that's affecting our Canadian versus our US business. And so what are we doing in order to mitigate that? Like you're always on your toes and you can't Mm -hmm. sort of just rest easy. I think that's a challenge. 
Yeah. And I think that is why certain people choose this life at the same time. You know, you're you're not trying to rest easy. That's that is the yeah. point of it. If you're resting easy, something is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you're right. Like we sort of enjoy that, right? Like being at the edge of our comfort zone, that like nervous excitement, that feeling like the butterflies in your stomach, but like, but it's a good kind of excitement, even though it's a little bit scary. Yeah. And I think the other back to like, the best thing. I think it's also like the community of other founders, honestly, and just like the friends that I've made by being an entrepreneur is the best. Like I I love it. I feel like we have, you know, so much in common. And yeah, that's been that's been really special. I totally agree. And you know, you can meet founders that have done what you did three years ago. And you know, that's I think why you and Sarah and I really get along. Sarah Panton of Vitruvi is because yeah. we're all at different stages of the journey. And, you know, I'm a little newer in the journey. So hopefully I can provide some energy and fresh perspective. And you both have helped me so much in terms of growing and scaling and thinking about complex issues. And again, staying up at night because these uh, these businesses at the end of the day are your baby and they're, you know, a part of your family. They're a part of who you are. And there's yeah. always something to think about. I definitely think my sleep has been impacted the most in the last few months since taking everything on full time because before, you know, it's it's kind of still a side hustle and yes, totally wrong and it's okay. And now, you know, yeah. putting all of your eggs in the basket, it definitely becomes more stressful. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, I think you're always, people are always inspiring you and it doesn't really, I think the length of business actually doesn't really matter because we all have something to teach each other. Like most of us have had careers, life journeys, you know, health journeys prior to becoming entrepreneurs. I mean, I share this with you a lot. So, but you know, the way you've inspired me, on sort of like your healthy living journey and even like my 10,000 steps a day, like very much largely inspired by you. So you're always inspiring me plus the cool creative stuff you're up to with One Wednesday. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, it's definitely mutual. And this is something that I am still learning about, but what is your best advice for leading a team? Hmm. A good question. I think first and foremost, I, I would say like two things come to mind. Being really clear with your vision and sort of like the goalpost of where you're trying to go so that everybody's working towards the same goal. I think that's really important. And then doing a lot of listening. So like stepping back and actually letting the team own, you know, whatever it is that they're there to do so that you're not micromanaging ideas and like feeding your your spin on every single thing but like letting letting the team do its yeah do its job i think is is important and that's how you're going to get the best work out of your team it's so funny because when i started one wednesday obviously i'm innately into social media and marketing and that's a lot of what my background has been in and social media was so natural to me. It was such a huge part of my role as a co-founder when we started. And I remember when Joni recommended that we hire someone to do our social. And I said to her, what am I going to do all day? And I now haven't thought once about what I would do on social media since we hired someone to do it. And I think it's so hard as as a founder and an entrepreneur to let go of that creative control. But as you said, it's so important for the growth of your business. And I think what people don't quite realize is how much time 
and creative energy, it frees up for you to think strategically about the future versus just reacting to people in DMs and posting a photo, which is all very important. Yes. But, you know, as someone who's running the business, it's so important to think three, six, nine months, years ahead. So you're making sure you're on track to build out those partnerships and those activations. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And you know, what I'll add to that is what, like at the beginning, I remember when I was running field and social, literally like making people salads um, in our, in our salad shop and, you know, the manager doing our social, doing all of those things. I could have never imagined that someone else could come in and, and run the store. I thought like, I'm the one holding and building this amazing team culture that I had a vision for. But it was after I had my second son, I had no choice. And we were opening a second location. I had to bring someone on because I was going to be out for at least a few weeks and end up taking <laughs> a couple of months of my leave. Yeah. And you realize like, oh my gosh, like this, this store manager, they've been a store manager at other locations, at other businesses. Like I actually have a lot to learn from them. They're a lot better at this. Not only are they freeing up my capacity to either be with my kid or to focus on the six to 12 months and what's ahead of with the business, but like each kid and each mat leave has sort of forced me to level up as a business owner uh, not because it was planned that way. It sort of just happens. Like oftentimes those came with milestones in the business and it's because we were forced to bring on some additional support because I was going to be taking a step back. So that's, it's been a nice bonus of having kids. So true. It's so important. I remember Joni was, you know, our logistics coordinator when we started and she yeah. had a newborn and was going to Canada Post every day to ship product. And we quickly realized that that was not going to work. Long yeah. Time. Yeah. But it's good to know, right? Like you learn like if Sundays, I was the one, you know, putting together our email. Like we had to postpone a sale a couple of years ago because I misprogrammed the coding on our, on our site with Shopify. And I was like, on the phone with Shopify at 2 a.m. And like, those are all great learning experiences. And then you you can be empathetic, you know, with your team when they're going through those challenges. Yes, it's so true. If you've done it in the past, you know exactly how challenging it can be. Exactly, exactly. So what are you most excited about in each of your businesses right now? Oh my goodness. Well, Sundays have a, has a pop-up coming up in New York at the beginning of July. So New York being a theme, but that's always really special. We're going to be there for a couple of weeks. So Amazing. that means I get a trip without the, the kids and I'll be there solo for the business for a couple of days. So that's very exciting. And then for field, honestly, it, it's been tough for a quick serve restaurant business coming out of the pandemic. And I feel like only in the last six months, particularly with our downtown locations, we've seen them bounce back. And so what I'm excited about now, rather than like trying to get to pre-pandemic levels is how do we, how do we build on now having grown and how do we continue to evolve the business and, you know, with, with the four locations and what that might look like the field. I think there's so much potential Healthy food is and healthy eating is not going away. So yeah, thank God. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Those What's are your favorite salad things. at Field and Social right now? Today, I so I get a field salad every day for lunch. Do you get today, one every day? I do. I do. I yeah, love every that. day. I do. Yeah. I was on an everyday trajectory for a while. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being such a supporter. But I got the crispy chicken today. It's a mm -hmm. new one. And it comes with brown rice and greens. And sometimes I'll do 
easy rice, which is what I did today, which is what I feel like a sub that you might make. You can get more veggies, but um, yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, I'll have to try it. Okay, so I want to finish up with a couple of rapid fire questions that I ask everyone that has come on the podcast so far. And the first one is, what are you obsessed with? I think the single thing for me would be travel. Like that really gives me energy. Where's your favorite place to go other than New York? (laughs) Italy. Italy with my family, barefoot in the grass in some countryside. Yeah. Eating delicious food. And you're going to Italy in a few weeks. Yes. Yeah. We're going to go to Spain. Yeah. Yeah. My sister Lucy just had a baby a couple of months ago. She lives in the Spanish countryside near Valencia. And so we're taking the whole, the whole fam, all six of them. So wish us luck on the plane. But once we're there, I know it's going to be amazing. I will be thinking of you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you know how it goes. We're on a little travel break with our children personally, but we... I get it. Yeah. We just booked a trip to Hawaii for December. And the last time they were on a long plane ride was last December for Hawaii. So (laughs) I go once a year plane ride with the kids situation. It's worth it once you get through the plane ride, right? But I I get it. Usually. It's tough. Yeah. Usually. Uh, We've had a couple of trips where we were like, is this worth it? We're not quite sure. (laughs) But (laughs) I know your family is going to do great. Okay. What makes you feel your best? I think just when life feels in flow. And it's usually not a long period of time. Like it might be a few days or a few weeks and then it doesn't feel in flow again. But, and sort of reflecting on like, oh, like why is this feeling good? Is what's energizing me at work? You know, am I taking that time that I need for, like I'm an introvert at heart. And so for me, what makes me feel my best is making sure that I have some of that solo time. I feel like being an introvert with four kids must be really hard because you're never alone. That's right. That's right. And so that's why it's like those pro tips of like, you know, sneaking, sneaking in those special dates early in the morning or, you know, meeting a friend midday for a walk sometimes are so important or having, yeah, having solo time, carving that out for yourself. Well, I don't think I ever would have guessed that you're an entrepreneur. So I think you're one of those extroverted introverts. Sorry, introverts, not entrepreneur. I know you're an entrepreneur, but I, I think you're an extroverted introvert. I think I am too. I think most people would guess, guess that I'm an extrovert, but I'm a hundred percent. Like if I could choose going to a party or hanging out by myself or with one or two other people, I would always choose the latter. Yeah. yeah I've, I've become the same over the years. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I know I learned so much from you in terms of how you run your businesses and your day-to-day life with your kids. You've definitely inspired me to think about potentially having a bigger family. So I'll always have you to thank for that. Yes. Amazing. I always encourage more kids and more travel. Ugh, I need to get there on the travel. But in the meantime, (laughs) where can people find you and your businesses? Sunday's Furniture and Field and Social on Instagram and B. Simeon is my personal handle on Instagram. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, I hope you have the best day and thank you so much again for doing this with me. Thank you so much, Sophie. I really appreciate it. It was an honor to be invited on. 
Thank you so much for listening today. You can find me on Instagram at Sophie C. Collins or on my website at sophiecollins.com. And you can find my brand One Wednesday at one underscore Wednesday underscore shop on Instagram or onewednesdayshop.com. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you have time, leave a rating and review. I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks to Podfather Creative for editing and production.